Well, it's a real pleasure to be here with you this morning. Um, if you look at your outline, you'll notice that my three points are um, facing death, oh, sorry, choosing death, facing death, and then avoiding death. Um, when we're in Christ, we don't have anything to fear in death. Um, and yet it's still a bit of an odd topic to talk about, isn't it? Uh, perhaps it's because our conversation partner, Jesus, is eternal. I mean, it's easy for him to say, right? But then maybe we're meant to be eternal as well. Uh, let me pray to begin to get us thinking about this. Heavenly Father, be with us now as we discuss death. Help us to think about it well. Help me to speak your truth. Transform our minds and our hearts to see how big you are and how big you have called our lives to be in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as, um, I, as I was interviewed before, uh, I mentioned that I'm from the Highlands. I can remember playing uh, soccer down on Robbo Oval. Um, and I, I can remember one particular day, and it, it comes into my memory every time I drive past, because a uh, big guy, Paul Riley, um, you might know him, Christian guy who grew up here, he went in for this tackle. I think we were playing maybe Exeter or Hilltop. Hilltop were always really rough. They were the rough team. I don't know if they still are, but there was always like... <laughs> maybe it was Hilltop. Anyway, he went in for this tackle, and these two guys went at the ball, and he, he broke the other guy's leg. And every time I drive past, I can still hear the bone. <laughs> it's... Um, anyway, and then I went to Canberra and Sydney, and now I'm at Moore, and... I mean, in some ways, that's, that's me telling you who I am and kind of what I'm going to do, what, what I want to do, what my mission is. Um, and that's actually how Jesus begins our passage today, you might have noticed. So Jesus starts by telling us he's the son of man. That's a, that's a, a name that means um, king of the world, ruler, judge. And he tells us what he must do. And you may have noticed as we read it, his disciples are a bit shocked because he says, I'm a what I'm going to do is die on the cross. They didn't like that. So read with me verse 31. Um, he began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. So Jesus' mission was to, to come, die on the cross. He was saying this is what he must do. And, and his followers didn't like hearing that. Um, but if his followers thought that that was going to be the low point in the conversation, uh, well, it wasn't going to be, because Jesus turned right around and then he says to them, uh, I have to put myself to death and you have to do the same thing. Uh, I'm going to go on the cross and you actually have to put yourselves on the cross too. Um, that's what their mission is. That's what they have to do. Look at it with me in verse 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross, and follow me. Now, Jesus doesn't uh, literally mean they need to crucify themselves like he would, um, but he's using uh, crucifixion as a metaphor, isn't he? Uh, the, the disciples need to crucify their own desires. Um, instead of living for themselves, they must live for Jesus, and in that way they must put themselves to death. That's what Jesus is saying. And there's, there's this uh, amazing kind of... Uh, Cosmic symmetry, I, I would like to call it. Um, you know, like Jesus chose to die, and then he calls his followers to choose to die as well. Um, you see, the, the only person who didn't have to die uh, chose to die 
so that the rest of us don't. You see how that works. Um, and you have to picture this scene, right, with Jesus and his disciples uh, as Jesus presents his pretty unappealing offer, you might say. I mean, imagine a teacher in a classroom doing this. All right, class, come in. Take a seat, take a seat. All right, well, um, today I'm going to mark the roll. I'm going to run through the assessments. Uh, and then, then you can all choose to put yourself to death and follow me out the door to the ends of the earth. <laughs> um, it's, a bit, it's a bit crazy. What, what exactly is Jesus asking of his followers here? He's saying um, we need to crucify the self within us, the, the self that wants to live for itself, that wants to rule itself, the autonomous self that doesn't want to be ruled by Christ. That's the thing you need to, to put off. Denying, uh, denying other people is easy, isn't it? I mean, we do it all the time. You know, you're in the shopping queue, just kind of jump in front. I'll just, my time is a bit more important than that person's time. No worries, I'll take it, thank you, no issue. We do that, that's normal. Jesus here is saying, deny yourself for someone else, for Christ, for the gospel. How much do we have to deny? I mean, how much does this guy want? How much does he want? Well, you'd be glad to know it's only as much as is taken by crucifixion. <laughs> so crucifixion uh, takes your life, so thereby your health and your good looks, well, they're gone. Um, you're dead, so your material assets, your car, your house, your family, well, you won't be needing them. Maybe it's not such good news. I mean, crucifixion, it's, it's shameful, so you'll have to get rid of your dignity too. <laughs> it's maybe not the best. Uh, when you're denying all for Christ, there's not going to be too much left, is there? And the world's lie, the world's lie is that you can have it all and you can have it now. Um, and even some Christians will try and sell you this lie too. That you can have the good life and you can have eternal life. That you can live for Christ and you can live for yourself. But you can't do both. Only one life will lead to eternal life. Um, our, see, our own desires, our own desires, they're not the same as Christ's desires. They're not the same as gospel priorities, naturally. So denying ourselves, it's going to mean changes. Um, there's going to be a cost, and that's what Jesus is outlining here for his followers. It will be costly. Jesus is uh, calling his followers to choose. He's saying, um, you can try and have it all now in life, uh, but then you will lose it all in death. Or you can give up your life now um, for Christ and then gain eternal life in Christ. Well, so that was my first point, uh, choosing death, which is what I think Jesus is trying to tell us to do, deny ourselves. My second point then is facing death. And I'm sure you guys all know we all die um, in these very mortal bodies of ours. All the um, anti-wrinkle cream, it <laughs> doesn't matter what we do, you know, all the hospitals, it's all going one way. And um, the, the evangelist, affectionately known as Chapo, uh, used to say, the quickest way to kill a dinner party is ask someone, have you given any consideration to your own death yet? Um, it's, a, it's a strange thing to talk about, isn't it? Um, and here in verse... 35, we get, a, we get a recipe, if you like, a strategy, a secret on how to actually save your life. Um, deny yourself for Christ and the gospel, 
Then you will save your life and you'll live with Christ forever. So look at verse 35 with me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And philosophy and uh, science, they've been unable to provide an answer for what happens after death. Um, the, the Greek philosophy, the ancient Greek philosophy, Epicureanism, uh, just, to, just to pick one, it taught that the purpose of philosophy was actually to help us overcome the fear of death. Um, they argued that um, death won't cause you any pain, uh, so we shouldn't fear it. Forgive me if I don't find that very comforting. <laughs> have you ever, um, I don't know if you've ever had one of these conversations, have you ever asked a, a non-Christian friend of yours what they think happens when they die? A few people have. The, it's the most awkward conversation in the world to have. Um, it's, <laughs> no one likes talking about it. Um, atheists and agnostics, I mean, they really take one of two approaches on this. They, they can be sceptical. They can say, well, you can't know what happens after death. It's, it's a silly question to ask. Um, or they can say that there's just nothing. You know, you, you, you stop and then you rot. That's it. Um, that's what death is. I had a professor call it the cessation of bodily functions. Um, the idea that everything just stops when you die, I mean, it's, it seems to make sense, right? Until you actually think about it. I mean, who tested that? How do they know that this is what happens? Who tested that hypothesis? Science demands a, a test for life after death, and, and science can surely test death. We know that that happens. Things definitely stop living. Um, but imagine preparing the study. I mean, how would it work? You'd, You'd outline your procedure, you know, you've got your theory there, this is what we want to test, and then you get in some candidates and you say, all right, you know, you explain to them, firstly, we'd like you to very carefully and meticulously uh, die, and then just run a few tests for us. Um, the Bible's view is that not just nothing happens when we die. I mean, that's actually just wishful thinking. Think of all the travesties and injustices that would go just, just be skipped, just forgotten about. Watch from memory if that was the case. Um, on that final day, atheism, it will be called to justice for denying the Lord as Lord of the, Lord of the world, ruler of the world. The, the Bible is saying there is going to be a judgment day. Um, that's really what we're saying. Well, Jesus, I, I hear what you're trying to say in this passage, um, and I'm with you so far, but I've got to tell you, it's a bit of a hard sell. Uh, I mean, you come in here when I'm enjoying my life and tell me to start denying myself. Surely there's another option, right? And, you know, people have uh, tried to come up with other options. And I think in verses 36 and 37, Jesus is addressing some of them. So 36 says, uh, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Uh, the things we make, gain, or do can't help us avoid death, and they can't help us after death. If you have a, a great intellect, a great mind like Stephen Hawking's, or if you gain great wealth like Kerry Packer, or if you gain a great amount of power, um, I don't know if you read China's President uh, Xi Jinping, who with last week's Congress vote to abolish presidential term limits now, has, he's made himself a president of the biggest country in the world, for as long as he wants. I mean, that is, a, that is a staggering amount of power. And in verse 36, Jesus is asking the question, how does it help you to gain all this if eventually you just die and forfeit your soul? 
You can't use your intellect, uh, you can't spend your money or enjoy your power if you're totally dead. Um, let me ask you, my, my friends, brothers and sisters, because sometimes we need reminding, like, what are we working for? What are we working towards? Uh, a bigger house, a better car? Is it gain that will just be taken by death? Family, friends, fame? I mean, these things have their place, uh, but they're not going to help us, and we, we need to remember that. Our only hope is in uh, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Stephen Hawking um, had a brilliant mind, and his mind, it, it roamed free. It, it went everywhere, um, and he had, a, he had an incredible intellect. And yet his body was trapped in this uh, wheelchair, right? I mean, he, he was paralysed. And it, it's quite profound. Like, our minds are infinite. They, they just explore, and yet they're trapped in these bodies that, that quickly decay and die, um, and I'm told that when you're, you know, when you're 60, your mind still feels like it's 18, um, even though your body doesn't. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, Hawking was there. I mean, he's, he's such a great picture of it, right? Um, he boldly stated that God was no longer necessary um, because science could explain the universe. But God watched Stephen Hawking take his uh, last breath last Wednesday, age 76. See, uh, God's necessity is found simply in his infinitude and man's dependence in our finitude. Um, our finitude points to our need for the eternal saviour. Uh, and then verse 37, I think it points to the other great way people try and get around this problem. Uh, and that is by doing good things, somehow trying to bargain with God. So verse 37 says... What can anyone gain, or sorry, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, all that money I raised for charities, all the good things I did for you, God. I went to church, I ran Bible study, um, I've lived the good life. You might have heard uh, last week, um, a church in Rwanda was meeting like we are, and during a storm, a lightning bolt came and uh, hit the church, came out of heaven, hit the church, and... Uh, tragically killed um, 16 people and 140 people were injured. Like, it was a, it was a really tragic thing. And it made um, headlines uh, on ABC World News. And it, it kind of made me go, well, why didn't it make headlines? It was really odd that it was, you know, that there it was. And I, I think it's because it's so surprising. Like, you, you expect the, the casino to get hit by lightning or you expect <laughs> the armed robber mid-heist to kind of get struck down. But not the church. I mean, they were worshipping God there in the middle of the service. And it, I couldn't help but think, it just reminded me that you, you can't do anything to appease God. Like, we, we're all going to die, um, and we're all going to face judgment, and Christ is our only hope. That's where it's all heading. Um, verse 37, it asks the question, what could you possibly give in exchange for your soul? Imagine this playing out, right? Um, God, God, I would like to make some kind of exchange. Can we do some kind of deal? Surely there's something we can do. And then so God kind of uh, wheels out his giant scales, right? And then on one side we put your entire existence, we just get that and we put that on the scales. And then verse 37 is asking, well, what, what goes on the other side? What, what can you possibly offer? 
to balance the scales. I mean, how impressive do we think the things that we do really are? Um, Jesus' argument is, you're dying anyway, so give up the life you can't keep and live with me forever. That's what he's saying. That is how you can face death. I think the, um, the clearest way to put this is Jim Elliot's words. He's no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. Um, I'm sure you know the story of Jim Elliot. Uh, he arrived in Ecuador in 1952 to um, evangelize to the Indians there. And he was murdered by the re remote tribesmen with not that much to show for his efforts. Uh, but he didn't care, because as he wrote in his journal, he's no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. Um, so finally now, avoiding death. Verse 38 tells us that if we deny Jesus and are ashamed of him, we'll die and we will never be saved. So uh, 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Um, you notice it says that this adulterous uh, generation, he's talking about us. He's talking about the Christians, um, Israel, picture of the Old Testament, the golden calf. Um, it probably doesn't feel like we've ever committed adultery against God or that we ever could, but what he's saying is that uh, when we're in relationship with God and he's the ruler of our lives, we, we commit adultery against him when we reject him. I mean, and that's what the, the golden calf was, that great image of that, wasn't it? We serve ourselves instead of serving him. Um, and rejecting God in that way is actually what the Bible means by sin, right? Uh, the verse paints an image of that final day. God arrives. Um, he's got his whole army of angels, right? They're all there. Um, and the days come. Inevitably, our, our good deeds have been weighed and found lacking because we're all broken and fallen. Um, and it, it's that great moment where Jesus is saying, one of two things is going to happen here. Either you'll look to me and I'll come and take you by the hand, I'll put my arms around you um, in love, or um, he'll turn his head and he'll say, I don't know this person, they're no friend of mine. And the, Jesus is asking the question, are you ashamed of me? I mean, it's a, it's a funny thing to say, ashamed. Are you ashamed of me? I'm, I'm your one friend, your one hope. Are you ashamed of me? Um, in that moment, we will all realize that our one hope in hell is Jesus Christ. Um, we mentioned uh, science's request for tests of this hour of death. And in this, uh, in this verse, we get a little uh, formula in verse 38. It's the cause and effect statement of Judgment Day um, by, by the only person who's conducted research in the area, incidentally. So the formula is stated as a conditional phrase, if this, then that. It's pretty simple. So if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. It, this is what Jesus is saying is going to happen. People shake their fists at God, right? They, they say, God, it's not fair. How can you make people and then sentence them to death. How can you do that? What kind of um, tyrant would do this? But scripture teaches uh, that it's us. We, we have no right to shake our tiny fists at God who made us. 
That's the message of scripture. Um, in 2002, Dave McDonald, Dave McDonald was the, um, some of you might know him, he was the chaplain to the Super League Brumbies. Um, he did that for like 10 years and he, he um, in 2012, he uh, got cancer. He said his, his world, his whole life was changed by two words, cancer incurable. Um, and he wrote a book about it, uh, about his remarkable recovery called Hope Beyond Cure. And in the book he observes that um, all the blood tests and the ultrasounds and the MRI scans revealed the cancer and the death, right? Uh, but he said they're only scratching the surface. Sin, sin is uh, our deepest problem. Um, sin is when we, we, we live to gain things for ourselves. Um, and Dave's near brush with death helped him to see uh, the injustice of our lives towards God. And, and this is what he wrote. He says, it's pretty crass, really. If I loved someone and gave them everything they needed, and then they ignored me and lived as though I didn't exist, well, I would be devastated. Um, so let me finish by, by saying that Jesus Christ died to save us from death. The only person who didn't have to die chose to die so that the rest of us wouldn't. And in verse 37... Jesus is reminding us that uh, he's our only hope. And if we turn our backs on him, he will turn his backs on us. And so we have a choice to make. It's one or the other. That there's no middle ground. Either Jesus is Lord of your life. He's the one calling the shots. Or you're still trying to pretend that you are. That, that you can be. And that death is not coming to prove us wrong. Let me pray. Dearest God, please show us our rebellion and sinfulness against you. Please help us to know and feel the ways in which we fight you in our lives. Convict us, Lord, that uh, we, we need to deny ourselves for you and that anything less than total commitment is a great sin and a huge wrong. Um, Lord, help us to uh, find your love to be... Um, yeah, to feel your love day to day, Lord, to, to look to the cross and all that you've done for us and see how much it is that you love us. And help us to um, live our lives for you, Lord, and not ourselves. And please don't let any of us uh, be caught out by death, be caught unprepared. In Jesus' great name I pray. Amen.